ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Whatever a Podcast, episode 28. Um, we're we're going to cut the bullshit at the beginning of this. Um, I'm Matt. Eddie. And we're going to address the big red and black elephant in the room. Yeah. Though which he, is Wade Wilson. Yeah, he'd probably take offense to that too, because he's got a nice tight ass in those red, red pants though, <laughs> let me tell you. That's true. You might cut me in half. <laughs> um, so since our last podcast, which you guys haven't heard yet, but... It's coming out, like, today, probably, actually. I'm going to get home, I'll upload, send it. So maybe by the time this one comes out, you will have heard it, but um, we talked about how we were really bummed because we were the last two people on the face of the planet that actually hadn't seen it yet. Um, Basically. Deadpool, that is. Uh, And since then, I went and saw it on Tuesday, and actually, Eddie Eddie has the advantage today because he is, like, just mere hours away from having seen it. Yep, I I came home and, you know, like, it was homework, basically. I had to go watch the movie so I could talk about it on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think so, that's how you sold it to your wife, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, like, I had to. It's babe, it's for the show. I have to do this. Like, I don't want to. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's it's like a, no. I, I really want to go see the movie. I've been dying to see it this whole time. <laughs> um. So, what'd you think? I uh, I thought it was really really funny. Uh, which is exactly what it should have been and really, really terrible, which is also exactly what it should have been. Yep. Um, I don't actually have much in the, in the complaint department for this movie at all. No. Um, I, I really like the movie as well. It, it was to me probably just a little bit overhyped having gone and saw, saw it uh, now, which I kind of expected, but the whole movie was just solid throughout. I thought like the jokes landed in, in most cases, there was a, a lot of nice little nods to things in the movie uh, um, or in the comic universe that I really liked. Um, of, of course, uh, I guess we should probably get it out of the way now. There is going to probably be spoilers here. So if you haven't seen the movie, you might want to skip ahead <laughs> because I'm sure I'm going to spoil some stuff like starting, I don't know right now. Yeah. Um, but there was a lot of like inside jokes that I really liked. Like, um, and you know, even getting the the stinger with with cable, uh, I really hope that's legit. Like I the, re- the Ferris really Bueller hope. stinger, yeah, <laughs> so good. Um, but yeah, th- this is one of the things that I'm really happy to see that they actually totally got. Like, uh, considering Fox's recent foray into the comic book universe with uh, Fantastic Four. And, and, you know, just showing how much they don't get how to handle that. Like, I'm really happy to see that, that this movie came out as well as it did. They, Fox actually had so many things working against them going into this movie. Um, the first iteration of Deadpool from the X-Men Origins Wolverine movie. Um, all three Fantastic Four movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, X-Men 3. Yeah. Just all, all over the place, you know. I don't know. Fox is capable of making a decent... Uh, comic book movie like i did i did like the new x-men movie so far first class and um uh uh what's the other one days of future past days of futures past even wolverine 3 i didn't think was uh too bad no um so they can do it occasionally but uh you know then they've got some complete uh shit shows like you know fantastic four uh x-men 3 etc so um yeah i was pretty pleased with this I mean, if you boil Fox down as as an entity, I mean, obviously, 20th Century Fox has kind of been around for a long time um, doing film production, stuff like that. But like what we know as Fox today really was born uh, in the 1980s with their network when they launched their network with Married with Children um, later on The Simpsons, things like that. Um, 
Arrested Development, I think we talked about last week, was a Fox property yep. Yep. at one point. Where Fox's bread and butter is when it comes to actually making shit is the self-deprecating humor department. Fox can do that as a network better than any other big, giant conglomerate that I know of. Yeah. Um, Although I will give a little bit of a nod to, like, 30 Rock and NBC. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and then, you, but, I mean, you, you take that kind of approach to making a movie and apply it to a comic book scenario and, and add Deadpool into the mix, and I, I don't think you can really do much wrong with it. Yeah, well, I mean, I, they could have cast Schwarzenegger as Deadpool, I guess, and yeah, the the see, like, I had a lot of fears, um, not really about casting because I was, and this remains very, very true. We were talking about this before we started recording. Ryan Reynolds is effectively Wade Wilson. Like they couldn't have got a better person to play Wade Wilson. So I wasn't really too worried about the casting that we because we knew that was happening going in. Yeah. Um, but I I really was worried for a while that they weren't going to do an R rated version. Um, so I'm really happy to see that it got the R and it really made a lot of sense for the movie. I'm hoping I get the feeling that the takeaway from this movie for the rest of Hollywood is going to be, we need to make a rated R movie and, and, you know, just make over the top dick jokes, which don't get me wrong, has its place, but that, that is not solely why this was a successful movie. We don't need Wolverine to come out and start talking about dicks and farts and stuff like that the entire time during the next movie. Um, but you know, uh, uh, an R-rated Wolverine, which we're going to come back to in a second. But an R-rated Wolverine does make a lot of sense to me. Like, no, I, it totally I really makes sense. That just we'll... not, not in the sense that Deadpool yeah. is rated R. Uh, one of the things I really liked um, about this movie is I've read a lot of Deadpool stuff, and you know there might be some diehards that say that maybe Ryan Reynolds isn't completely Deadpool, but he's not far off. Like the the sense of humor and depending on which kind of iteration of Deadpool you're reading, there's some, there's some iterations where Deadpool is completely fucking insane. Yeah. Um, and you know, you can't really necessarily say that he's not in this movie, but, um, he's not like totally schizophrenic and shit. Um, if you look at a lot of his other movies where he's played a comic book character and we talked to Marv Wolfen about this, um, several months ago, uh, the the character of Hannibal Kane from Blade Trinity is actually a character that Marv Wolfman created, but he did not create the character that we saw on film. Now, imagine watching that film, and then instead of Hannibal Kane wearing combat gear and whatnot, he's in a red and black suit. <laughs> There's Wade Wilson right there. Like, did you catch the uh, did you catch the the Blade Two reference in there? Yeah, yeah, that was pretty funny. Yeah, uh, again, I I went to you know the Saturday afternoon matinee, so I got a feeling that like there weren't like a lot of diehard nerds in there, but like that was another. There was a couple of jokes in there where I swear I was the only one who was like, <laughs> "That's funny," you know, and that that was one of them. Uh, Why don't you go back to your midnight showing of Blade Two, dude? The Green Lantern. Uh, oh man, little card was rolling. Yeah, <laughs> that that was that was funny, and then there was the um the uh deadpool action figure from the x-men origins wolverine movie yeah yeah <laughs> just full-on action figure in the movie yeah and, and it wasn't like a passing like if you blink blinked you missed it it was like no, no they, like they really drilled down with that, that camera like, yeah it was like a pant you know solid you know deliberately shot it was really funny <laughs> um yeah there was a lot of good things about this you know obviously they broke the fourth wall in fact in fact he he broke the fourth wall while breaking the fourth while wall breaking the fourth wall <laughs> Um, so there's a lot, there was a lot that I really enjoyed. Um, gosh, uh, but 
the thing about uh, here's another thing that I really like the, the love story. As much as I thought that a love story with Deadpool was going to be contrived and kind of dumb, um, it wasn't. Like I really, really enjoyed that that love story and the way they handled that. Um, it, it was a very realistic sort of you know. I mean, it was over the top, but it, it was sort of a realistic thing. And I really like. And maybe that's just because Marina Bacarin is amazing, but. Yeah, yeah, it's probably. <laughs> I, mean, it's probably. I mean, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not shutting down the story either. Actually, I thought it was really well done because, um, as you find out relatively quickly into the movie, like Wade Wilson is not a good dude. Yeah. Um. And likewise, when he meets uh, Vanessa, is that her name? Vanessa. Yep. Yeah. Yep. She's she's not really a good person either. I do. I wouldn't call it, quite call either of them bad people. Um. Wade more so like Wade's definitely on the uh, the the darker side of the gray area yeah um Vanessa is just sort of like a um, a hooker yeah she's a hooker <laughs> I mean th- there's no real beating around the bush uh about that I mean she's a hooker but she doesn't seem like it's not like she's you know a bad person like kicking puppies or anything like that it's just not you know like your pg-13 sort of uh you know pretty woman type of hooker yeah yeah so that whole thing was fun, though. I, I I thought that that came across as really genuine, which is kind of surprising given how many love stories we see in superhero movies that just completely don't. Yeah. Um. God, so much to talk about with this movie. Like normally, what we do is we sit here and then we talk about what we liked, but then we kind of break it down um, into the few pieces of it that we really don't care for that much. But there really isn't that much to do that with here. No. Um. I, actually, one of the things I did want to point out that I really liked, uh, speaking of, you know, going back to the comic book roots, when Francis gets away that first time the, and his look, like, I was dying laughing at that. It was so funny. And, uh, you know, getting all uh, pissed off and fighting Colossus uh, and breaks both of his arms, then breaks his leg. Like, that, that was that was amazing. Yeah. And they were genuinely fucked up. Like, that was that was not pretty looking at all. Yeah. I thought that was a... Um, you know, like you get to see some of the the car fight scene, uh, but Wade comes out pretty much on top of that one. Uh, but then, you know, seeing how fucked up he gets, just punching the shit out of Colossus, was hilarious because I thought that gave you an idea of you know what Deadpool is sort of, especially because it's not like the the first one goes well and it's like oh maybe if I just hit him a little bit slightly more to this angle he's like no that's Deadpool he's just fucking himself up on. Him. Yeah. Of course, that is about 30 seconds before he cuts his own hand off to get out of cuffs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I have a newfound respect for Colossus after this. In fact, honestly, I didn't know what kind of a role Colossus was going to play in this movie. I knew he was in it, but I didn't know how big of a role he had. And he's actually, like, like in a buddy cop movie, he would be the straight man. Yeah. Uh, and it's not quite buddy copish because he's not in the entire movie, but... <laughs> but it's it's pretty funny it is it is um uh, their whole relationship like their whole uh between him and uh uh um negasonic was just that whole interaction was hilarious to me um you know like language suck my balls yeah <laughs> <laughs> or uh um no i'm not gonna join your boy band you know yeah um or, or uh, of course, you had to see this coming a mile away. But you know the the um, final scene, uh, essentially, where Wade can choose between killing Francis and not killing Francis, and Colossus is giving him the big hero the speech. Big speech, and he's like, "Nope, blam!" <laughs> like before he even said, "No, you just kept talking." Like, yeah, 
<laughs> and he's like, oh, shut up already. Yeah. Um, but I did kind of, I, I did kind of like side like with Deadpool on that one a little like, no, he's a fucking psychopath. Why would I not kill him when I have the chance? Yeah. You know, like, yep. Looking at you, Batman. Looking yeah. At you. yeah. <laughs> Good God. Um, so anyway, to to kind of sum it up, this movie, if if I mean, if you've ever wanted to watch a, a treatment of a comic book movie that is R-rated for very good reason, go see this movie because it's it's awesome. Don't take your kids and complain because it's foul and oh whatnot. god. If you take your kids to this movie, you're kind of an idiot. Yeah. Like at this point, you've been warned so many times. Like I see a Facebook message about this from somebody like every other day, practically right now. Yeah. Had to take my nine-year-old out of the theater after five minutes because it was so vulgar. Well, yeah. it's fucking rated R. Yeah, because I took him to a rated R movie, you know, yeah. as if, you know, they're not rated R for a reason. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I have my disagreements with the MPAA in a lot of cases, but yeah. this is not one of those cases. Like, I think this is where the rating system is actually used well. Um, and honestly, for what it is, like, this movie obviously has an audience because it has broken all of the rated R opening records there has been so far. Yeah. Again, Especially for a slow time of year. Again, the the marketing behind this, I think they did a phenomenal job with. And I think maybe, um, no, I don't know. I think that uh, uh, there's enough hype about Deadpool or enough of, um, you know, what Deadpool is, has gotten out there that it, it's gotten by on that too, a little bit. Yeah. Plus, I mean, you kind of get a sense from, you know, some of the marketing materials they've done with Deadpool thus far. And when you get to actually see Deadpool in some of them, like the one where he beats that Asian guy with a chair, um, you know, you get a sense of what Deadpool is. Pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah, go see it. Um, the only thing I can say for this movie is I'm not sure how rewatchable it will be. Like, I get a feeling, I kind of get the feeling about this movie that I'll watch it, you know, two or three times. But by the fourth time, it's just going to be kind of like, eh, whatever. I disagree. Like, How often do you watch Super Troopers? I mean, it's not a movie you watch every week, but it's still funny every point. time you watch it. Okay. Anyway, I've I watched the Avengers <laughs> a few times. You know, obviously, I've watched the Avengers more than a few times since then, and and it just it gets I don't know less rewatchable. Um, it, it it's amazing I think to watch it the first time. The first time I watched the Avengers, I I really like truly love that movie, but just upon rewatching and rewatching it, it just gets old to me. So I kind of get the feeling, at least for me, that's how Deadpool is going to be. I, I don't know though. Could be totally awesome. Still. I'm, I'm sure I've, I'll still enjoy it. It's not like I don't, I like, Oh God, I can't watch the Avengers again, but it just, it, it, um, part of the hit is that seeing it the first time, sort of like uh super bad. You ever see super bad? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, that movie, like I was dying in the theater uh, but once you know the jokes are coming, the, like that's part of the thing is it, there's so many jokes that you just don't expect at all. Once you know they're there, it's not it's not quite as fun. This yeah, Deadpool definitely has one rewatchable uh, aspect to it, and that is, I mean, I almost would give you my left nut right now that they're gonna release it as an as an unrated director's cut at, on Ooh, home video. Yeah. So I'll I'll want to check it out for that. All of a sudden, that Marina Bacarin scene is like 45 minutes long. <laughs> i mean sold yeah colossus moves over a step yeah uh, sold yeah yeah um all right so that, that chick's in uh the chick who played angel uh she's an mma fighter yeah gina oh, carano I, I didn't know that i did um she she uh I, i'd kind of seen her from um she was in a movie called haywire uh she played the lead she was uh uh 
kind of like a secret agent, I think, if I remember correctly. The movie, honestly, is pretty forgettable, and her acting is kind of meh. Like, I, I get the feeling that's kind of why um, she didn't have, like, you know, a ton of lines in this movie. In fact, I'm not even sure she had a line in this movie. It might have just been, like, a grunt. Actually, there was the um, the scene when her boob popped up. Yeah. Actually. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, yeah that actually, like, she pulled off the, the comedy in the middle of the, the fight yeah, pretty well. Yeah, it was pretty solid. So. Um, but, uh yeah, I I was familiar with her work before this. You know, I think part of it's because, you know, before Ronda Rossi was like this, you know, hot fighter chick. Now that was Gina Carano. I'm going to give Gina Carano the edge on the hotness. Oh, yeah, definitely. No question. Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on. Um, um, so we mentioned this earlier, Wolverine. Yeah. Um, the new Wolverine movie is actually, uh, looks like Fox is targeting or writing for that now. Um, Which all I got to say is it's about goddamn time. Yeah. Like, I'm glad that somebody opened the door for them to, you know, reconsider making R-rated movies, because there's some movies that really should be R, and I was really hoping with Wolverine 3 they would go for an R, because Wolverine is just a brutal character. Like, I mean, he's got fucking claws that he rips people apart with, you know. That was my, one of my two major beefs with that Wolverine movie, was that there was an awful lot of fighting and violence in that movie. Zero bloodshed. Oh man, Origins was way way worse. Yeah, but, but yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. Um, but I mean, and I, and I really like the tone that the Wolverine started out with when he was all like living in the woods and mountain manish and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of thought that we were in for a much a much darker and deeper Wolverine story, and we were. We we actually got a really good Wolverine story. They're just for all of the swords and all of the everything else. Like there was there was so little blood or anything else. And I, oh, I'm yeah, not definitely. saying it has to be a bloodbath. But it has to be somewhat realistic. I mean, if you're going to film violence in that manner, like, if you want to suspend disbelief or have somebody else suspend disbelief, then you, you have to give a little bit of that. So, yeah. Um, and then, of course, there was their butchery of the Silver Samurai. Yeah. Which was my other major beef with it. But, oh, I mean, that doesn't take away from the fact that it was a good movie. Like, it was a good movie overall, I think. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it, but I, too, you know, I wish they would have given that movie an R and done some of the stuff that, you know, that I think we might see in the next Wolverine movie because of that. Yeah. Um. Also, because this is uh, Jackman's swan song, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And he, he doesn't mind dropping an F-bomb every once in a while either, and that's kind of... I think this, if they can do this, I think this will be the Wolverine that we've wanted to see. And honestly, I think it's probably going to be the Wolverine that Hugh Jackman has kind of wanted to give us. Gosh, uh, that, that, and um, now that Deadpool's a thing, like I really want Deadpool to show up in Wolverine in any way. Yeah. Um, I, I don't really care if it's just essentially a cameo. <laughs> did did but... you like the Wolverine cameo in Deadpool? Yeah. <laughs> you know what the best part about that is? The best part is, as I'm looking at the mask, I'm realizing... He just went through the entire final fight with the fucking uh, People magazine Hugh Jackman stapled to his face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so anyway, our advice to Fox is um, if you're going to go for an R rating, do it for the right reasons. Don't do it for the Deadpool reasons. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Deadpool is in part a success because it's rated R, but it's not rated. It's not a, a, a success because it's rated R. Like, it it gets a lot of things right about it. <laughs> I don't well, think I, mean, I, I don't think you're gonna get a successful Deadpool movie at, at uh, PG thirteen. At least not a successful Deadpool movie that Deadpool fans will appreciate. Okay, I guess a better way to say this is that um, Deadpool's supposed to be rated R. Like, yeah. 
you, you trying to do a PG thirteen movie of Deadpool is just a dumb idea. So like, take that away from it. Give the character the treatment it deserves, essentially. Um, so that's why I think I'd, I'd like to see a, an R rated Wolverine. Deadpool came out in like ninety four. I'm almost kind of amazed that Deadpool was success is as much of a success as he was considering that Marvel was still adhering to the comics code back then. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm almost kind of surprised too, because Deadpool's probably the closest thing we have to a modern day superhero. Like most of the superheroes we're seeing on TV go all the way back to the fifties, twenties, etc. Yeah. Um, um, certainly Batman and Superman being some of the oldest, but all of the Marvel properties essentially have been, you know, around for friggin' ever practically. Yeah. Superman, I think probably predates all of them. Yeah. Cause I think he was mid thirties. Yep. Um, I think you're correct. I would have said twenties, but the, no, yeah. not twenties, but thirties. Uh, Captain America, I think, was not far behind. Captain America, I'm sure, was in the thirties because I just watched that uh, seventy five years. Would have been Cap. late thirties, I think. Yeah, yeah. So because he he came out right um, and was doing only moderately well until World War Two, essentially, and then that's when Cap started kind of kicking ass for a while. Right. So we got that. Um, let's talk Stanley real quick. Yeah. Um everybody's favorite strip club DJ. <laughs> DJ. <laughs> oh, best bet like that is definitely like uh up there with the best cameo of all time. Yeah. Not even just Stan Lee cameo, like that was an amazing amazing way to do that. Like And and here's the other thing too. Like I'm glad that Stan Lee like was still on board for doing that at 93 years old, probably 92 when they were when they were filming surrounded by a whole bunch of nude women. Yeah. What a what's a, a rough job. What a rough gig, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, uh, anyway, that yeah, Deadpool. Like, here, forget anything else we said about it. Like, if you ever wanted to see Stanley be a DJ in a strip club, <laughs> there you go. That's just sold a ticket right there. I'm sure um, somebody out there is like, oh, that's my fetish. Yeah. <laughs> so the reason we're talking about Stanley though is, as he did announce um, just this week that uh, the Fan Expo in Montreal. And September will be his final Canadian uh, appearance. Yeah, um, he kind of said, "I'm I'm ninety three." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, which I mean, here's the thing: Canada is, I mean, like there's not really much difference geographically between Canada and the United States. So if if that's going to be his final Canadian appearance, I wouldn't be too surprised if if in the next year he wraps up doing any any appearances. Uh, other than maybe a one-off every once in a while. Kind See, of a that's uh, selfish of me, but that's why I included this link because I kind of looked at that and said, "Oh man, we're, we're probably getting close to the end of of seeing you know the possibility of seeing Stanley at a con at all." So anyway, if you do get a chance to go to a con where Stanley's at, or if you get a chance to do a meet and greet of any sort uh, with Stanley, I, I saw him at Wizard you'd World. You'd be an idiot not to take it anyway. But I saw him at Wizard World uh, three yeah, years ago. Nice. Um, I didn't actually go through his line and whatnot, but. You know, it's it, it's weird because the way that they handle the um, the celebrity booths and the meet and greet booths and all that kind of stuff is like a lot of your big guns like are kind of down a nile so that they can direct traffic around mm-hmm. the side of the building and whatnot. Um, like the same year that I was there, they had um, Bruce Campbell and his line was absolutely fucking huge. Oh yeah, um, and they also had Daryl from The Walking Dead, and that line was fucking huge. Where, yeah, the year we went, uh, Daryl was there too. Yeah, and and yes, it was just as big of a deal. Yeah, um, like you would have thought we were at like a in uh, sync concert. But Stanley, like, was actually on an end cap 
basically if you were in a supermarket he's on the equivalent of an end cap <laughs> um and he was actually right across the aisleway from uh um the booth that uh matt from matt's cavalcated comics and corvallis oh really yeah so he was just kitty uh kitty corner from that booth and like anybody could just walk right past him and whatnot and wow. it was it was kind of cool uh same thing with uh henry winkler and uh Ferrigno. Wow. they were they were on the ends yeah i think i think we had the green ranger that was in that spot when i was there see and he was down he was down one of the side aisles too right next to um at the time former wwe uh divas the bella twins this was right before they actually went back gotcha um we waited for an hour to meet the green ranger me and my my kids did yeah uh and he was late by at least 45 minutes of that hour and when he came back he came back basically with the bella twins from back wherever they were so (laughs) i was just like come on dude (laughs) like oh i understand i understand yeah um all right so go see stanley if you get a chance um stan lee uh gave us of course a lot of the marvel characters we're about to talk about uh hollywood reporter did a story oh he's not just in movies yeah no i i, I guess it turns out um so uh hollywood reporter did a story i guess i shouldn't really call it a story um it's it's a collection of uh 44 uh ranked marvel movies essentially so they rank uh, um 44 different marvel movies from top to bottom so yeah, I think we're going to run through these. Um, we'll we'll get as many of them as we can. Yeah, there's some skippable ones, I think. There is, but there's some things that definitely need to be talked about. Um, starting at the bottom, number 44, man thing. Yeah. Um, I Here's the thing I don't like about this list. It's on the Hollywood Reporter, which is, I mean, it's on the internet, but it's it's basically an American publication kind of a deal. This movie was never released domestically, so... Yeah, I hadn't even heard of it. Yeah, it, it was actually came out in two thousand five. Yeah, that that was really surprising. I expected it was going to be like our next entry in the list, which was uh, Captain America, the nineteen ninety version, produced in Yugoslavia. Like I'd seen uh, stuff like that. Um, I had seen that one at least. I'd heard that that existed at least prior to this. But Howard the Duck coming in at forty two. I you disagree seen with that. Yeah, have you seen? You've seen it? Yeah. Yeah, it's been a really long time since I've seen it, but I have a feeling I'd I'd like it for nostalgia. The movie came out in '86, and it was it. I mean, kids loved it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I mean, obviously, Howard the Duck is a Marvel property, and this movie wasn't treated like it was a necessarily like a Marvel movie or a comic book movie or anything like that. But for yeah. what it was, it was it was an entertaining movie. Fantastic Four at number forty-one. That's but, the 2015 Fantastic Four, which is pretty much universally panned, including at this table. Yeah uh Electra at number 40 again i i didn't i don't think i no i did see that and it's so forgettable i might almost put it lower than fantastic four yeah uh coming in at number 39 uh fantastic four from the 1994 version this one i do not even remember uh that's because this movie was not uh released actually you, you still can only get this in bootlegs and this movie was made specifically so that fox could retain the rights to fantastic four nice kind of like the 2015 version yeah it seems like their entire experience with the Fantastic Four is just making a movie. So just they can trying keep to keep the rights. Them. Yeah, it, it, it's basically like their "fuck you" Marvel property. Yeah, uh, coming in at number thirty-eight, uh, Fantastic Four from two thousand five. <laughs> Sensing a theme. Yeah, interesting. Um, Thirty-seven, The Punisher with Dolph Lundgren. Um, uh, yeah, forgettable. Totally forgettable. I think uh, this. I think this had um, uh, David Hasselhoff as Nick Fury in it. Oh, you know what? You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And then Nick Fury, he did a, um, I can't remember where I saw it, but there was like a Nick Fury movie 
with David Hasselhoff. That was really weird. Yeah. Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance. Um, I, this movie, honestly, probably is one of the worst movies, not just comic book movies, but one of the worst movies that I've ever seen. Like, if you ever want to see Nick Cage chew up the scenery throughout an entire film, like, it, don't get me wrong. I mean, you can watch a lot of movies where he chews the scenery in several scenes. The entire fucking movie. It is just bad. Yeah. Is, the whole thing is just bad from front to back. Fantastic Four, number, uh, Rise of the Silver Surfer at 35. Um, again, I almost don't know that I would rank this uh, better than the original Fantastic Four, um, but they're both kind of not great. You know what I liked about this one, though? Mm. I liked uh, Lawrence Fishburne as the voice yeah. because he's got that really deep, deep voice, and the Fantastic Four is not a huge dude. Yeah. Um, so he had that really big bassy voice come out of, out of the silver server, which considering he's like a cosmically powerful entity, I, I, I dug that yeah, part of it. That's kind of cool. That was the only piece of it that I really liked though. Uh, Ghost Rider from 2007 coming in at 34. I um, might've ranked that higher than that actually, considering yeah, some of the other things on this list. I actually kind of did enjoy that movie a little bit. Yeah. Daredevil coming in at number 33. This is Ben Affleck as Daredevil, but I got to say, we were talking about this again before the, the, the recording, uh, the line in the Hollywood reporter that opens this little paragraph is though he was a much better fit for Matt Murdock than he is for Bruce Wayne. Like they're just getting that incredibly wrong. Ben Affleck is now, especially now that we know he, he's a, a, an astounding Bruce Wayne and actually doesn't fit nearly as well for Matt Murdock in my opinion. So yeah, just wrong. Punisher Warzone. Haven't seen it. Don't uh, even know that actually it exi- didn't watch I knew that, that one it existed. Uh, this was this was I think supposed to be treated as a sequel to the um, previous Punisher movie, not the Dolph Lundgren version. Yep. Um, but they had a different actor come in to play Frank Castle. Yeah, and um, that would be uh, number thirty-one, the Punisher from two thousand four. Um, that's the Punisher is played by Thomas Jane. This one I seem to remember kind of liking. It had some camp to it. Um, yeah. And, and and it was unintentional camp, which is kind of the worst camp you can have, but it was better than I think thirty one. Yeah, um, um, it also had Rebecca Romaine Stamos in it um, before she was Mystique. Yeah, Blade Trinity at number thirty. Uh, Would have put that one higher too. Th- this is a funny line though. Uh, remember that stuff about Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro breathing undead life into an unpromising franchise? Well, let David S. Goyer slide down from the screenwriter's chair and into the director's, and you can say goodbye to all that. Which is funny because David S. Goyer is really respected as far as um, like screenplay writing and shit like that. Like a lot of people really dig his stuff for that. He was heavily involved with the Dark Knight franchise. Yeah. Uh, X Men: The Last Stand. I probably would have put this one lower. At I would have too. Yeah. I, I, I hate for sure lower movie. for sure lower than Blade Trinity and lower than The Punisher. Yeah, um, I, I really hated it, especially because the Phoenix the Phoenix Saga was one of my favorite X Men stories ever, and they fucked it in the ass. Just dry, just completely dry. X Men Origins Wolverine at number twenty eight. Probably um, would put that lower, way lower as well. Same, if nothing else, because now we've seen what Ryan Reynolds can do as Deadpool and how badly they fucked that character over in that movie too. Precisely. Uh, number twenty seven, Blade. This one might have gone up for me. I really like the original Blade. I did too. <clears throat> um, Spider Man three. This one would have gone way down for me. Yeah, for the, sure, lower than any of the X Men. Yeah, including Origins. <laughs> like, uh, this is another one of those where, um, actually, there's kind of a a good theme going here. Spider Man three, the X Men three, the Last Stand. Th- those are sort of so comically bad compared to their sequels. X Men two, I would have called probably the strongest of the franchise. And I really liked X-Men 1. 
Spider-Man 2 is universally uh, um, pretty much acknowledged as one of the better comic book movies. Um, and Spider-Man 3 is just such a, like, almost walked out of that movie. It was so bad. I, I did kind of fall asleep during it. So, there, there you go. Yeah. Uh, the Dark World, which Matt and I have uh, both agreed, that Thor movie, of course, uh, that we can't really remember. So, I yeah. guess 25 is fine. I've, I've watched it four or five times, and only after the fifth viewing was I like, oh, okay, that's what this movie's about. Yep. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2 at 24. Uh, I think it deserves probably more than 24. Yeah, I give it extra points just for Emma Stone. It's not just Garman that loves her. Nah, Emma Stone. Emma Stone's good at it. And honestly, I really like Garfield as Spider-Man. Um, I, I do too. I think I give it a little bit of a pass because I really enjoy Garfield as Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, Iron Man 3 coming in at number 23. Um, Eddie and I talked about this before we recorded too. And this is not either of our favorite Marvel movies. But honestly, for what this movie is, there's a lot of stuff that's above it on the list that actually should be below it. Like, um. And, and this movie, as a comic book movie goes, is actually not about the comic book character or the superhero part, aspect of it, but but more about Tony Stark. Um, and when you can get that cerebral in an Iron Man movie, which is essentially like a summer popcorn action flick, yeah, I, I think it deserves bonus points for that. Like, for example, I probably put it higher than uh, 2003's Hulk. Oh, Ang- fuck yes. Ang Lee's Hulk. This movie should have been down. This movie Way should down. have been ranked down there with the Fantastic Fours. This movie was a big fucking pile of green steaming shit. But you don't get the green steaming shit until at least an hour and a half into the movie. <laughs> right. Um, Blade 2 at 21. I barely remember that movie. So I don't really have anything to complain about. Is that Norman about. Reedus? That is Norman Reedus. Was That's the that? first thing I noticed about that goddamn picture, too. What? I don't even remember being in that movie. I should have. I mean, I'm, I'm not gay or nothing, those. but the only thing I can remember about Blade Two is how jacked Ryan Reynolds was in that movie. That was Blade Trinity. Oh shit. Okay. Wrong. Sorry. Yeah. Uh. Well, maybe I am gay then. Yeah. Just projecting Ryan Reynolds everywhere. Um. First class. This movie should have been higher than twenty for sure. Yeah, that was. I, I thought that was a really solid film. Um. And it, it actually gave us the X Men franchise that we have now. Um. So for that, it deserves points. Totally. Incredible Hulk at number 19. Um, I think when we start talking about the MCU proper, uh, as in like the Avengers line of movies, th- this is probably one of the weaker ones. But I I liked it a lot more than I think most people did. Um, honestly, I thought the dynamic between Edward Norton and uh, uh, Liv Tyler was fantastic. Yeah, I enjoyed that too. So, yeah. But I mean, it, you're right. I mean, it's not as strong as, as the other MCU properties for sure. Um, and honestly, like it's it's the only one I think that hasn't gotten a sequel at this point. Th- well, that's actually because I think the the rights to Hulk are still somewhat tied up in Universal. Oh, really? Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Thor coming in at number eighteen. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I'm. Uh, the Wolverine coming in at number tw- uh, uh, seventeen. Like we just talked about, like that movie, okay, but um, there see, was some there was some pretty big and see. Faults. Can you really put Thor below it? I probably wouldn't have. Yeah, I wouldn't have either. Iron Man 2 at 16. This would have gone way down for this me, This would too. have been below, yeah, a lot of the stuff. Especially Iron Man 3. Iron Man 3 was a better Iron Man than 2. It, it for sure was, um, because it didn't have uh, Mickey Rourke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Days of Futures Past at number 15. I actually really like this movie, if nothing else, because it gave us a plausible reason to forget about X3. 
15 is probably a good spot for it though just yeah. based on the other stuff um and there is a lot of stuff up uh, near the top of the list that deserves to be there as well so oh and i really like the um which i think everybody said this the quicksilver scene yeah yeah badass. um and uh, this is total side note but um it's from what i understand like it took like something like four days or something for them to film his new scene in nice in uh apocalypse so uh amazing spider-man that's andy garfield again um at number 14 i really like that that movie again emma Same. stone and andrew garfield um have a lot to do with it but i also thought that uh martin sheen killed it as uncle ben mm-hmm. um and i thought it was a really good retelling of the origin not that we needed a retelling of the origin but no i'm looking really forward to the mcu adaptation of spider-man i, I can't wait to see how they go with that the originless spider-man yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really hoping that, like they can skip over that part like we don't need it again it is also kind of funny though because one of the things that i liked about amazing spider-man is that he gets his web shooters even though like when the first spider-man came out with uh toby mcguire spider-man you know, like, i remember sam raimi saying oh we couldn't have done the web shooters because it would have taken you know 40 minutes on screen to explain how he got them and and nope. This movie did it in a 30-second montage. Yep. And then it was, like, done. Well, and they played up the fact that Peter Parker was intelligent from the beginning of the movie. Yeah. It, he wasn't just, like, a little, like, unpopular emo kid. Yeah. So. I didn't I didn't really like that because uh, um, he, uh, Spider-Man isn't, first off, practically everybody in the Marvel Universe is a genius, at least of the heroes, but um, Peter Parker's no slouch either, so I like that they, they emphasize that more in Amazing. Yeah. Deadpool at number 13. Uh, we just talked about Deadpool for like 45 minutes, so... is probably a good spot for it. Yeah. Guardians at 12. This movie probably would have been a little higher for me. Yeah. I think it's top 10. There's a couple more that I know I liked better here. Uh, or that I liked it better than up here. Um, Captain America, the first Avenger at number 11. Surprising how much I like this movie because before... Uh, quite honestly, before the um, MCU adaptation, did not care for Captain America at all. And this movie was also done differently than any of the other MCU uh, films at all in that it was a period piece. Like, the whole thing was basically a giant flashback. Yeah. Um, and it gave us something else, which was an un- unexpected side effect, which is Agent Carter. Yeah. Also a period piece and also actually done really well. So, um, yeah, this movie I think is probably, I don't know, 11 might be a good spot for it considering there is a lot of good things on this list and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but it shouldn't be discounted um, by any means. No, um, this is kind of a weird one. Uh, Big Hero Six is apparently a Marvel property. I think they kind of slid this one in on a technicality, but whatever. I I kind of feel that way too. I think there should probably be like a, this should be a, a list of forty five. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Age of Ultron at number nine. Uh, I actually didn't like Ultron as much. Like I probably would have put that lower. I I probably would have put it at least below the first Captain America. Um, Ant Man at number eight. Uh, again. Didn't like that as much. I, I would have had Guardians up above Ant Man probably. Yeah, I'd give Guardians. I'd give Guardians a nod over Ant Man. I do really dig Ant Man though. Um, I mean, aside from the fact that it has almost an identical plot to the first Iron Man. Yeah. Um, I thought Paul Rudd really, really, really knocked it out of the park. Considering I had no idea if he was going to be able to play a, a superhero of any kind. Yeah. I, first off, I I really like Paul Rudd, and Paul Rudd was good in Ant Man, but um. This is the one where I think the Marvel formula is just kind of starting to wear on me a little bit. So, uh, X-Men at number seven. Hmm. See, I don't know if this one needs to be that high on the list for me. No, it, it is actually kind of a mediocre movie. And Days of Future Past should probably trade spots with this movie. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, 
X2 at number six. This one I have no problem with. X2 is really solid. Uh, yeah. And, and actually, the if you've never seen X-Men 2, watch it just for the scene when the... Um, the the bad guys attack the X mansion just so you can see oh, Wolverine that, that actually go awesome full on Berserker scene. for the first yeah. time. Toby Maguire Spider Man coming at number five. Ah, take it or leave it. I mean, I I like those movies, but Spider Man Two was better, and probably this one didn't need to be as high as some of the other movies that are below it. See, I might have given them. this uh movie that I might have said five before Amazing Spider Man came out, but when Amazing Spider Man came out, which in itself in and of itself was not an amazing movie, just made me realize what was lacking in the Peter Parker character um from Spider Man. Yeah. No, I agree. Captain America the Winter Soldier. Um I don't think controversial at this table, but we probably would have put this one higher. Even at number four Captain America the Winter Soldier is probably one of my favorite Marvel movies to date because it is a superhero movie, but it's almost not. Like it it does really feel like kind of like a badass action movie on top of it. Like I, I think it's my favorite one actually. I mean, I I think I can comfortably say that it is my favorite of the Marvel movies. Um there's an argument to be made for the the first Avengers being higher on the list, but this movie for what it was honestly was a uh, more i don't want to say realistic but you had better it's not an ensemble cast necessarily i mean yeah you 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 introduce a new character with falcon um but the dynamic between steve rogers and natasha romanoff like you don't get that in any of the other movies even i mean they tried with age of ultron to have that dynamic between her and bruce see but no i think that's different because um it's not a sexual relationship at all, I think, with Captain America. And no, Soldier, no, no, no. Which the, the Bruce Banner thing is a little bit. It is. It is. But, um, yeah, I really like that interaction. I really like the interaction with Falcon. Plus, it's just a damn good action movie. Like, if you take costumes out, you could almost see this being like a Bourne movie or something no, like that. No, absolutely. That's uh, My point with the Natasha Romanoff piece is not that they tried to, to replicate the exact relationship, but the fact that they tried to give her a, um, uh, a give-and-take relationship with a male lead. Yeah, it, that that at that point kind of felt a little contrived because we already had that in Captain America, and it was so well done in Captain America. Yeah. So anyway, um, that and, and and I will say because again, my expectations of Captain America were kind of low going into it too. So that that definitely probably framed framed it a little bit for me. But I think the movie really does stand really well on its own. Yeah. Number three, we have uh, Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr.'s Robert Downey Jr.'s triumphant return to the spotlight. Um, yeah. This movie, honestly, um, it, it's responsible for the fact that we have, you know, 20 movies now from this series. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and seriously, this is this this movie is John Favreau start to finish. Nobody wanted to take a chance with Robert Downey Jr. And I imagine the insurance that Disney had to pay, or actually it wasn't even Disney at the it time. It, Marvel, was, it yeah. would have been Marvel, Marvel proper. Um, they would have had to pay to get robert downey jr after his his storied history and whatnot like favreau is the one that pushed for that he also is the one that pushed for as tony stark that wasn't 19 years old you know yep. that that's the direction that marvel originally wanted to take with these movies was get young leads um actually that's one of the things i respect about it because um robert downey jr like 
he's not like like you could make the argument about Captain America like he's like kind of like a teen heartthrob sort of you know looking guy Robert Downey Jr. is not that I mean don't get me wrong he's he's a handsome man but um yeah they could have gone the the Twilight route or you know like the CW route where everybody's 19 and perfect yeah um which I I like that they didn't they give him a little bit of a history and and uh made the character a lot more interesting I think um so yeah and of course it launched the whole thing and it's a really good movie on its own so number three i think the only thing we argued about a little bit is whether winter soldier is better but yeah i i I would actually put winter soldier up there as 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 better as a movie um obviously winter soldier though isn't carrying the entire marvel cinematic universe on its back though yeah totally uh civil war might (laughs) yeah no joke (laughs) spider-man 2 coming in at number two I wouldn't have had it that high. I mean, I, it's not a yeah. bad movie, but I wouldn't have had it that high. I, Iron Man or Winter Soldier would have definitely edged that out for me. Yeah, but um, especially from the time um, that is that was by for, by far one of the best superhero movies we'd seen uh, by that time, which is you know all the way back in two thousand four. Right, and then finally coming in at number one, taking the top spot is the Avengers. So it's kind of funny that I just a little bit shit all over this movie at the beginning of the piece, but I will say um, it is probably one of my funnest theater experiences that I've ever had. Not for me. No? <laughs> no. But that's because we got to the theater late and the, and the auditorium was mostly full. Um, oh, so you're sitting like up in the... In and the... there was six of us that went and we ended up, four of us were able to grab seats on one side in the front row and the other two on the complete opposite side oh, of the front sucks. row. So... Yeah, we didn't have great seats for that, but I just remember it being such a fun movie and uh, really being a big, gigantic question mark. Like, we nobody knew if this was going to be a good movie. You know, we've had a lot of examples of where a movie tries to do too much and fails horribly at it. Uh, right. Spider-Man 3 on this list, you know, the, any of the Schumacher Batman movies. That, um, the, I, that's exactly where I was going with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but this one really kind of nailed it. Like they really got the team dynamic. They got the characters, you know, working really well together. There was a lot of question marks for a lot of people who didn't know anything about Captain America or the Avengers prior to this, you know, wondering how Cap was going to stand with the, you know, Cap, Legolas, or uh, uh, the Black Widow standing together with, you know, these super, the the, the super ones, essentially, Iron Man, Hulk, um, Thor. But they made it work really well, so good film everyone had uh i think the right amount of screen time as well oh yeah i mean uh say what you will about joss whedon he's masterful at these sort of ensemble cast pieces like well look what he did for buffy for seven years and that cast i mean honestly started out as kind of a sarah michelle geller vehicle but all the characters in it ended up being um beloved in some in some way yeah um not the least of which was uh God, what's her name? Willow from from that show. I can't remember her actual name, which makes me a shitty, shitty. I person want to say right Trachtenberg, now. but that's not. No, right. that's not. It's Trachtenberg. I always get. Later, it, I always get them confused. Um. Anyway, yeah, the, the, was... the chick that went on to be like the lead in, in How I Met Your Mother, right? Um. So who knew that was coming out of out of that show? But and, and of course, you know, Whedon did Firefly too, which I, Firefly. One of the things that really makes that show is that. Um, it does such a good job with the ensemble cast and for only having 13 episodes, you get to know that ensemble really well. 14, excuse me. And and for all intents and purposes, most of those, those guys and girls actually dug working together and doing what they're doing. The only person that I've ever actually heard anybody say anything negative about would be uh, Jane. 
Oh yeah. Um, Adam Baldwin, because I guess he's just a fucking dick, but, uh, he's, so, oh man, I don't know. I don't know how to go from this. Cause I think the Firefly class, I've never heard the Firefly cast say anything bad about Baldwin, but I tried following him on Twitter. You know, like when I first signed up for Twitter or something like that, I, I remember I was like, Oh, I can follow Nathan Fillion. I can fire, follow Miranda Picard. Awesome. I'm, oh, Adam Baldwin's on here. And I followed Baldwin for like, I don't know, a day and a half. Cause at first I thought he was a troll. Like I literally thought like he was making a joke and then no, it turns out he's just a complete dick bag. Yeah. 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 So, and, and not to say, and I don't mean to, um, insinuate that anybody from the cast of Firefly has ever said anything negative about him, but I can't imagine a bunch of people that are that like tight knit really enjoyed working with the dude who is just a complete fucking bag of dicks. Yeah. You know, I don't know about that though. Cause that's kind of the hard thing. Like, People are really different in real life compared to their online personas most of the time. I mean, that's not always true. Obviously, there are some people that are, are you know, pretty much like, I think I'm pretty much the same person as I am online for the most part. Um, that's because nobody cares about us anyway. Yeah, mostly. But like Baldwin, <laughs> like he he must have been a completely fucking different person in real life. Otherwise, everybody would just strangle him with this fucking Twitter account. Like just shove his iPhone down his goddamn throat because it's so obnoxious to follow. Yeah. Anywho, so 44 Marvel movies ranked by The Hollywood Reporter. I think we're going to have to have a beer before we go into the DC section. For sure. All right, we're back. Yeah, um, beer in hand. Beer in hand. So let's talk DC. Um, I forgot to put this in the show notes, so we we don't have to talk about this second. But no arrow or flash is in there, so we're let's, let's, hit let's, let's hit those real quick. Um, yeah. right. We're not going to dive into... Uh, uh, Legends of Tomorrow because I'm actually I'm I'm the slacker this week I haven't watched this week's episode. Um, I will say though since we're not going to really talk about it and I kind of want to get this failing on tape I'm surprised like I thought I was going to like this show but it turns out I really like it a lot better than I thought I was going to uh, and there's a lot of things that work about the show that I thought were really going to fail hard namely the fact that there's like I don't know 15 members on the thing uh, yeah have we talked about this since the first couple episodes I don't really think so. So this week was episode five, right? Yeah. So that's the only one I haven't seen yet. Um, so we can actually talk about episodes three and four a little bit. Um, here's the thing that I, I find strange about this show. Not necessarily strange, and, and by no means this is actually a bad thing. Um, Vandal Savage actually hasn't been in the last couple episodes. Or because, at least not the last one. Um, like the, And I mean the most recent one that I've watched. He might have been in this So weeks. far, I think this is by design, but so far we've kind of seen him sparingly. You do see some more of an... More, more, he gets significantly more screen time in episode five. I'll just say that. Um, but I really do dig um, this show uh, in terms of... Okay, so we start out in like the 70s and whatnot. And then like the most recent story arc actually takes place in the 80s, um, yeah. Soviet Russia. And what I like about it is jumping ahead in time you actually see consequences from their last tangle with with savage and his crew and whatnot yeah. because now the russians are working on a on a um firestorm project yep um and i really like that aspect of it um and i'm gonna sound totally gay for this and i don't care <laughs> wentworth miller is such a fucking good actor in this series like he's so like his portrayal of leonard snart just his very like calm and and no pun intended but cool demeanor just i i love watching him on screen especially when you put him on screen with brandon routh the two of them are kind of like the odd couple 
Oh yeah, um, that really worked. Like, yeah, especially because they went into this having sort of the um, um, I forget what um, heat guys heat wave is it heat, heat wave? wave? Yeah. yeah, heat wave. I fr- um, they really kind of intentionally put those two together from the outset, and the interactions that Snart has with some of the other characters on the team are much more interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, but even still, uh, episode five gets some more good interaction with Heatwave and um, uh, Snart, and also Snart and Ray. So you get to see some more development there. Um, but like I said, th- this is one of the things that I'm surprised that th- uh, we were talking about ensemble shows a few minutes ago, and they do a really good job, I think, with the, the ensemble that they have here. Yeah, I, I dig it, and um, I understand why they paired uh, Canary and Hot Girl up together for this most recent little bit yeah i'm kind of hoping we don't see a ton of that throughout because i don't like like it shouldn't always be like the two girls have to stick together and then they partner up the dudes and whatnot um uh in fact i really liked when canary and uh heatwave kind of tagged up in the in the bar scene in episode one or two i don't remember which one it was but that interaction was super super cool yeah i do think that's i think that um that just happened to be the pairing this week because that it doesn't really continue in the next week and uh you get more interesting sort of couplings and and ideas of characters and stuff like that so yeah um, in fact i'll and this is and i hate to do this because i'm going to kind of end it on a down note but the only thing that i don't dig about this show right now is the constant back and forth between stein and um and the the kid whose name i uh, dex jacks 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 this next episode will probably help good because i i i got pretty tired of like they like each other and Stop they want to do this around no i have to boss you around yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that, that that gets tired pretty quick so anyway haven't watched this week's episode have completely however caught up on um arrow and the flash let's let's hit it in reverse order let's talk arrow real quick yeah uh this is the episode immediately following the removal of the hand from Merlin, which we talked about in the last episode. Uh, Merlin then promptly turns around, goes to Damien Dark, sells out Oliver, um, gives him the information about his kid that nobody knows he has. Except for Oliver, who Except for Ollie. made no move to protect his son in any way. But, you know, that's not bad writing or anything. Oliver just must be an idiot. Yeah. Um, what I really liked about this, and Eddie and I talked about this a little bit before we started the show... This was a really good episode for Thea. Not necessarily in terms of screen time, because I don't think she has any more screen time than usual. In fact, well, I mean, maybe more than the last couple episodes because she was in a hospital bed. But uh, typically, like, she's got a few minutes of screen time and whatnot. And then she's involved in some fighting. But this episode, actually, she has a really good um, conversation with Oliver. um, Wherein she actually tracks his kid down via the never cash check that uh, Moira had written yeah years prior and um i thought it was really good to develop her character in and just in terms of she's not just like an idiot who goes out there and beats people up or whatnot like she actually does have some gears turning in the back of her mind and whatnot so you know like i i hate to jump on the felicity hate train but it was just nice to see anybody else get a little bit of development that wasn't felicity yeah because that's just getting real old at this point like just enough already so yeah, um, I don't know. Arrow for me is getting increasingly lackluster. Like I just want to like it so hard, but there there's so many uh, um, sort of obvious um, faults in the writing to me. Well, it yeah. I mean, there's that. I don't think it's as bad as season three. 
No, it, it's definitely not as bad as season three. Um, but it's still like, I, I really remember being glued. Like, even though there was a lot of people who said, oh, you don't need to watch the first, you know, don't watch these middle set of episodes on, on season one. Like, I remember loving season one. I, I just, I, I flat out loved the season one. I loved the flashback scenes. I loved how they set that whole thing up. Um, that, that was kind of the show that I really liked. And as, as we went on, you know, through season two, I thought I was really going to be happy with seeing all these, you know, people get superpowers and all that shit. And it turns out that might have been one of the worst things they've done with the show because now it's kind of a... I don't know, like, I read a comment online that sort of described the fight scenes now as, like, just slightly better than Power Rangers, um, which is starting to get pretty true for me. Like, yeah. the fight scenes get are getting really redundant and repetitive, and instead of fighting ninjas in Season 3, they're fighting generic army dudes in Season 4, you know. And and again, this, this is to our point last week, um, Oliver just got done kicking the complete shit out of Malcolm Merlin in, like, literally 45 seconds. Yeah. And in this episode, they were fighting uh, hive soldiers, goons that don't have uh, any more any more training than your SWAT team guys do, and it 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 took a lot out of them to beat those guys up. Yeah, so really obnoxious. It's just it's it's that kind of of writing. Like again, we understand that we're reading or watching a a comic book property brought to life on the screen in front of us. Like we know it's not real, but give us something. Yeah, to to help us get involved. Otherwise, you're taking us out of in it. universe. Just stay right. consistent in universe. And the other thing is, is like it's time to move on from all the Felicity drama. Like, if nothing else, because she's sucking all the oxygen out of the room. Like the character, um, nothing against EBR, but um, the character is sucking all the oxygen out of the room. So we haven't seen any fucking development of Laurel like at all. Like, uh, the- do we want to see development of Laurel though? Yeah, I guess you got a point because she was sort of this. um, She was sort of that character before Felicity was like the just everything's annoying whiny Laurel, and now it's just changed. Everything's annoying whiny Felicity. Here's here's what I kind of want to see out of out of the show, character development wise, and um, you you can point this at my possibly unreasonable attraction to Willa Holland if you want to, but I really want to see Thea develop. yeah, I, and because they're not gonna do, they're not doing a Batman series or anything like that. I really want to see Thea and Speedy develop and and kind of a um, move beyond the shadow of Oliver, all of Dick Grayson and Batman, and, and you, become you her own Nightwing. Yeah. yeah, kind of. I mean, not necessarily Nightwing, but I mean, just yeah, somebody who who doesn't actually need to be part of the team, but can still help them out sometimes, whatnot. Like that. That's that's kind of what I want to see from that and character development wise. And that's just the comic book lover in me. And then that's kind of stuff that I like reading. So, no, that's fair actually. Or even Canary a little bit. Um, like it, it, they could go that route with Canary, I think a little bit too, and it would still kind of work. Um, but just, you know, something, just do something with these people because right now it, it, it is, they're, they're just kind of scenery. Or at least it feels a lot like they're just kind of scenery. Even when Thea, you know, has been re- responsible or had, had a big part of progressing the plot. It feels like she's just scenery, like she's just nothing more than a MacGuffin to get us to the next thing. Right. So, I don't know. Develop characters a little bit. Okay, let's talk about The Flash. Just a little bit. Yeah, let's talk about a show that doesn't depress us. Yeah. Um, This show's, uh, and this is a pair of shows too, Um, and we did talk about um, the first Earth 1, or Earth 2 episode last time, but I feel like we're kind of probably going to have to talk about a little bit of it again, at least going into it. 
because obviously there's a reason that our heroes are there. But this this was a really fun episode for me um, because we really got to see um, uh, 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 Daniel Panabaker. Yeah, Killer Killer Frost. Killer Caitlin Frost. Snow. Like we got to see we got to see the evil the evil Caitlin Snow. Um, well, maybe not necessarily be so evil as we thought, and actually yeah. like be really really fucking cool on screen. Like, and she did a lot of cool shit in this episode too. Um, so that was fun. We got to see a little bit more of Earth Two Barry than we saw in the first episode, and actually was really refreshing. Yeah, I actually really enjoyed Earth Two Barry. Yeah. Uh, Lots, lots of stuff happened in this. Um, let's, you know, you know. Actually, let's talk about Earth Two Barry for a second because sure. I thought it was really interesting seeing the two of them on screen together because you get to see the Flash. Earth One Barry is, you know, at this point he's a hero. Like he just straight up is a hero. Right. He's kind of been that character from the second he got his powers. Like it was never a hesitation. It's like as soon as you know he knew he could do that, even though it was still you know totally dangerous for him, he still puts himself in that line of danger. Um, compared to Earth Two Barry who is he's not quite your quintessential nerd, but he keeps having to push himself to do even like the smallest things. And I thought the interesting angle on this to me is that earth Two Barry didn't have really any tragedy in his life. Kind of reminds me of never um, had to push himself. Kind of reminds me of uh Frodo Baggins from the beginning of the Hobbit movie. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> it took a lot to actually get his ass out the door. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I like the juxtaposition and seeing, you know, what, why Earth One Barry is the Flash and what would have happened, you know, if um, his life had turned out differently. It's sort of a glimpse into, um, you know, kind of almost like a Flashpoint storyline. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. In fact, actually, um, I rewatched the first Earth 2 episode. Yeah. Uh, last week or earlier in the week uh, with my wife because she hadn't seen it yet. And uh, I, I paid a little bit more of attention to it this time because I actually wasn't as tired. In fact, I was totally amped when I came home and watched it because I just watched Deadpool, so I was I was all pumped up and whatnot. Yeah. Um, the emotion on on Earth One Barry's face when he was actually talking to his mom on the phone and they were talking about the trip to Atlantis and stuff oh, like that. That was hard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was super. Like, and and it lends to your point about this most recent episode with this Barry didn't really have anything tragic. And almost you can tell that he's taken his parents for granted a little bit. Whereas earth one Barry was super, super happy to get the opportunity to talk to his mom, even though it wasn't his mom. Yeah. I really like that scene. Um, you get to see zoom just being fucking brutal again. Zoom being zoom. Yeah. Like that. Uh, we also get a little bit more hint about who the man in the mask might be. Yeah. Um, so that, that's interesting. And that really screws up. You know, we just, we discussed theories from the last episode and I think we were kind of coming down on the side of uh, professor Thorgi and saying it's probably Eobard, uh, um, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie sorry, 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 wrong Thon, Eddie Thon behind the zoom mask. Um, but, but now you know, there's a wrinkle in this, uh, plan because the, the man in the mask. Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be a wrinkle, but it does definitely lend credence to the fact that um, the Jay Garrick that we know as Jay Garrick may not actually be Jay Garrick. Yeah. See, that's one idea that that uh, w- was thinking. I was also thinking it's possible that it's Eddie behind the mask. Um, not the Zoom mask, but the, the Iron Mask. Right. And, and Eddie's trying to tell them, essentially, either look out for Jay or go get Jay. Right. So if you don't watch the show on a regular basis, um, Zoom, at the end of the... the 
episode before last actually captured Barry, took him into his little um, anti gulag thing. <laughs> Not yeah. anti gulag, but it, yeah, it kind of is a gulag. Did Did you catch the tongue in cheek? You know, like, uh, gosh, I I don't remember exactly exactly how he said it. Like, you can't just lock people in here forever. You know, yeah, like, uh, like we do. You know, yeah. back at the, the back at Star Labs. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a dude in a mask, kind of a la man in the iron mask. Yeah. Uh, and he, he tries, he doesn't speak and that could be because of the mask or whatnot. I don't, we don't know, but, um, he definitely like Barry and, and Jesse quick kind of eventually figured out that he was tapping on the glass in a, in a, in a code, um, like a military survival code kind of a thing. Um, and the only thing they made out was the word J. Yeah. And so we don't know if he's saying that he's Jay Garrick. Um, we don't know if they're trying to, if he's trying to warn them about Jay Garrick or, or what the situation is. My theory is that it is Jay Garrick. I'm and that the guy that we have, too. the guy that we have on earth one saying he's Jay Garrick is actually Hunter Zolomon. Uh, see, I'm, I'm really confused. What, what would confuse me about that is that, um, well, you know, I suppose possibly, but we've seen, two Jay Garricks occupy the same space, presumably while other, you know, man in the iron mask, Jay Garrick was still stuck in the thing. But, uh, this is the flash we're talking about. We could have seen some speed mirage bullshit with a hunter's all nod. Yeah. Well, and Jay Garrick may not look like Jay Garrick that we know. That's, True. that's the thing. Cause if it's, if it's hunter's all cause that's the, his earth one counterpart is also hunter's all Yeah. Uh, it could just be straight up Hunter Zolomon and Jay Garrick looks completely different. That would be a hell of an angle. <laughs> so. Well, no, because like I, it would be acceptable for the Earth 2 people to not know that that's a different Jay Garrick. But the Earth, no, 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 the Earth 1 people wouldn't know that Jay Garrick looks entirely different. But the Earth 2 people would. Well, there is no Jay Garrick analog on Earth 1. Yeah, except for Hunter. Hmm. So. See, ladies and gentlemen, shit, bro. ladies and gentlemen, this is two guys that have read a shit ton of comic books, and this is a TV show that has it, it. Like, we could probably talk about this for another hour before we even move on. We won't just, yeah, for your stay, guys' stay benefit. But, um, this should actually speak to how well the show is written. Yeah, it is one of the things that I really, really like about the show. Even though you do have a comic book uh, background, and and I do, you know, you you do kind of roughly know in some direction they're going to take the show, but it is generally fun to watch in that you don't, we, we don't really. I mean, they've done lots of interesting things already that are slightly different from the comics, yeah. and um, it still turned out really, really well. So I'm excited. Yeah, um, it's here's the thing this is this is kind of similar to the reason that a lot of, of fans of the walking dead comic books still really enjoy watching the walking dead television show on on tv for sure because it isn't the same as the comic there's i mean as much as there are similarities and parallels there's also a lot of stuff that's vastly different yeah and that's kind of the fun part about it so um anyway the other piece of this of the show that we talked about earlier uh, before we came on on the air too is the parallels between uh, Arrow and, and Flash in terms of the team dynamics, totally different. Um, the reason we're more invested in the Flash is because the characters seem like they're actually more invested in each other on, on Arrow. Um, and there's there's individuality among all the characters. Uh, 
as much as Cisco and uh, Caitlin started out as lab nerds, they're very, very different people. Yeah. Um, there's not only individuality, but they, they are, they do a better job of, um, developing those characters and keeping those characters relevant in the story each time instead of, you know, just being like, well, uh, Cisco does some nerdy shit, you know, like, which, you know, the, the arrow equivalent is, um, well, Black Canary punches a guy, you know, like that, that's the entirety of her involvement of, of the show right now. Look, look at season one of the flash. The betrayal of of Wells when they found out that for sure Wells was not a good dude. Yeah. Barry was just like, okay, I know he's a bad guy, but I'm going to play it close to the vest because I need this to play out to find out where we're going. Cisco was like, no, fuck that guy. Fuck that guy right in his asshole. Yeah. (laughs) And then Caitlin was in denial about it like for a super long time. So you had three characters that had very different feelings about one, one particular character even though none of them got more screen time necessarily than the other one. You know what I mean? Like they all develop differently. Whereas on arrow, you don't get that. Like everybody in the room, like as soon as somebody's like, no, wait, this guy's actually a bad guy. You'd have all six of them going, okay, let's go get him. Yeah, pretty much. And that's it. So anyway, flash still totally good. <laughs> arrow. Mm, not so much. Yeah. It's it. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not throwing in the towel on Arrow. It's just one of those shows. No, that... I'm still gonna watch it every Wednesday. But it is, it's just kind of becoming a little bit more of a slog than it should be. Didn't it start out a little like? Didn't the season start out kind of with a bang compared to the last season though? And then it, it's yeah, kind of so. started to peter out a little again. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm hoping really they're I'm dragging hoping... out that whole funeral scene way too much too. It's kind of pissing me off. See, but that's another difference. I, I don't, well, I don't want to say difference because we're getting the same thing over on Flash with um, where you know the same amount of episodes in, and still don't know who Zoom is. I really thought we were going to find out this episode, and obviously we totally didn't. So fingers crossed for next week. But I, I kind of wish they'd get that over with already. Yeah. Um. All right, so let's switch gears a little bit. Um, I've got an Imager album of uh, Batman vs. Superman picks. I'm not exactly sure where this comes from. I do know it's an official something or other, but I don't know if it's like a press kit or what, but uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff in here, and if nothing else, some really good set picks of, of uh, the props and stuff like that used in the thing. You get to see a lot more up close on the gadgetry. I pr- particularly love the grapnel gun. Grapnel gun is fucking badass. Yeah. Um, but there's lots of interesting things in there, like tidbits, like um, Alfred was you know, uh, uh, not a butler so much as he was uh, security for the Waynes before they died and all that stuff. Uh, and, you know, um, obviously British, um, what do they call their guys? Whatever. Their army guys. <laughs> Naval something or other. Whatever their equivalent of the British Navy. Not Navy. That's not right either. Whatever. Alfred was in the British something. British fighting. Secret Service? Yeah. No, not Secret Service. It's not he quite wasn't that good. like MI6 or anything? No, but he was in like the badass, like kind of like the SEALs equivalent is what gotcha. I would say. Um, the Royal Seaman? Or, or special. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a different movie entirely. Oh. Um, so there's, there's a little bit of factoids and tidbits in there, but if nothing else, there's some really cool prop pictures in there. So I included it. Just check it out. Um, this one I think is going to be a little bit of a discussion. D- DC rebirth, um, official announcement. Yeah. So, um, I, if you follow Eddie on Twitter at all, or did you do this on the whatever page? I don't remember. I don't know. 
<laughs> I think I I think I tw- I probably tweeted it. I always forget to post stuff on yeah. whatever page, which is kind of dumb, but um, such is life. So there's a link up of Jeff Johns explaining um, what rebirth means to him and to the rest of the DC um, creative team and whatnot for comic books. It's actually a really good take on on uh, kind of what you have to do, and and we we discussed this with Marv too when we talked to him um, every twenty thirty years shaking things up a little bit now we had flashpoint and that's only been like five years ago now yeah not even probably five years ago because i think we're just now hitting issue 50 since yeah. those um so it's been it, it's not been as long but i think there's kind of some things that do need to be reworked and shifted around and whatnot because they're not quite what the so guys if you're not heavy into comic books or you're not really following this a whole lot um essentially what happened is uh, five or six years ago we had the flashpoint paradox and what that essentially did for the dc universe was reset and give us the the new 52 so the new 52 was specifically designed to sort of um get rid of a lot of the baggage that comes along with um being and running a a comic series for hundreds and hundreds of episodes example it, action comics ran over 700 issues yeah it just makes it a little bit easier for new readers to get involved um because they don't have to wade back through uh the last 700 issues or 500 issues of batman in order to you know be caught up on what's currently a canon now yeah. it didn't do a perfect job of that because what it essentially did was say um we just we're not calling all this canon anymore and they just sort of here and there add parts back into the canon or slightly tweak the canon of the characters um so zero what, references to doomsday zero references to um the zero hour event that was hugely instrumental in the green lantern universe yeah uh things like that that i mean we don't know whether they happened or not they just don't ever talk about it we have the same characters that we had as a result of those events but we don't know why yeah, essentially. So um, the idea behind Rebirth, um, and it took me a little bit to figure this out, was essentially you lost a lot of legacy in that. You lost a lot of backstory in that. There are some events in the DC universe that um, <clears throat> like they don't need to go back through all 700 issues and pull out every single little tidbit of information. But there are some things that you lost in that process um, that uh, it, does, it sounds to me like we're not, weren't really ready to give up. It's probably one of the more controversial things about the whole DC or New 52 thing. Um, and so Rebirth, I think, is going to do a little bit of that. So we already saw this a little bit because there's been a couple of Rebirth stories already with the Flash and uh, the Green Lantern Rebirths, um, bringing back Barry Allen and Hal Jordan, respectively. Um, and those, I thought, were pretty successful, but also controversial in Green their Lantern more so. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, the the idea behind that, and we talked a little bit about this last episode, so I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it, but the Green Lantern Rebirth didn't actually eliminate any characters or make any characters um, that we've had since before um, or from previous to the Rebirth event um, kind of be redundant or anything like that. They still included all the same characters that we had, including Kyle Rayner. Yeah, they actually did a really nice job, I thought, with the whole Green Lantern Rebirth and keeping it all... Uh straight yeah whereas with the flash rebirth we kind of were left in a position with what do we do with wally west now yeah it was kind of like barry allen's here and everybody you know everybody else just get out of the way yeah yeah so um that one was a little clumsier in terms of that um and but honestly from a continuity standpoint i really hope that we can get on pay get on par and because this is frustrating about reading dc like you can read the superman book 
And then you can read the um, Action Comics book. Yeah. Both both of them are, are Superman titles, essentially. One of them, though, takes place in current times. The other one, which is Action Comics, actually takes place. It, sh- it, it like, explains more like the onset of him being Superman and whatnot. So, like, both titles are about Superman, but they're in different points of time. And it's yeah. really hard to, to be uh, congruent. Like, you can't tell a, a good story that way. Um, Green Lantern uh, is is always out and about doing stuff. And, but then if you read the Justice League book, he's also there, even though, like, we know that when we're reading the Green Lantern title that he's off galaxies far, far away, trapped somewhere or doing something completely different. And then you pick up the Justice League book in the same month and he's right there in in the good old US of A and whatnot. It's kind of like how Marvel killed Wolverine because he can't be in every fucking book ever. Yeah. Um, So... Rebirth is supposed to hopefully fix some of that stuff. There's a couple of other interesting tidbits from a, um, uh, you know, how the sausage is made sort of thing. Like, uh, they're going to be pricing them a little bit lower. Uh, There's going to be quite a lot of uh, twice monthly books instead. 17 of the books will be twice monthly, according to the other article that I'm going to link in the show notes for you, which also announces the Rebirth titles that they've got going soon. Um, so, um, notable, I think, uh, since we're both uh, Green Lantern fans, Green Lanterns as in multiples rebirth. Uh, we got a green arrow rebirth story in there. There's another flash rebirth as well. Yeah. <clears throat> Aquaman, Batman, Titans, Wonder Woman. And then we've got some twice monthlies. The twice monthlies are going to be the Aquaman, Batman, Flash, Green Arrow, Green Lanterns, Superman and Wonder Woman. Uh, action Comics and Detective Comics. And they're going Action Comics and Detective Comics are going to go back to their original numbering. So we're going wow. back to detective 934 yeah so they didn't remove any of the um they didn't pick up where they left off with the last high number they they're including new 52 and in that continuity as well crazy yeah so i don't know this is going to be sort of an interesting shakeup of the dc universe and i i think it's probably going to please a lot of comic book fans i think because there were a lot of comic book fans, like, if you've been reading this forever, and then all of a sudden they decide to just get rid of all the history, like, could you imagine if, you know, like, we turned on Arrow or The Flash next week, and they're just like, ah, never mind all that stuff that happened. Barry right. Allen's still The Flash, and Arrow's still The Arrow, but everything else is up for grabs. Yeah. So, I think this is going to please a lot of uh, um, comic fans, um, but, you know, who, who knows what it'll do for the sales numbers. I think lowering the price is probably going to help the sales numbers, so it, it may be a wash in the long run. But, um, you know, this like like uh, DC did have a pretty decent reason for doing the New 52, and and that is simply that um, it's not as accessible when you've got 900 back issues of continuity to deal with. Yeah, and DC actually went on a campaign several years ago, um, and they, they had a slogan which was drawing the line at two ninety nine, and that basically was just like, okay, none of our books are going to be more than 3 bucks an issue. Um, and then as, oh, as the New 52 hit, they kind of lost a little bit of that because um, my wife actually collects Batman, and some of those books are three ninety nine or four ninety nine an issue, depending um, on what book it is. So we got a little bit of that going on too. So it looks like they're going back to the, the two ninety nine price point, um, which again, like you said, it'll help sell them. It'll help move books, but it's also going to end up as a wash i think in the long run depending on how much they're paying creative and all that good stuff yeah we'll see digital um, too digital is is a it's it's hard because magazines are kind of lost now i mean there's yeah. not really any reason to pick up a, a, a publication if you can buy it online 
no king especially in the world of tablets like if you've got a tablet um of some sort uh it it i that's where i do my comic book reading these days and i do sometimes miss like having borrowed your your uh, uh green lantern rebirth trade i do kind of miss having the pages a little bit but not enough to go back like i love the fact that i just have uh, half a dozen books a dozen books on me at all times that i haven't read yet so. yeah yeah the majority of my reading is is all done via my tablet and whatnot um i do i do still collect um some of my favorite books like green lantern i've got every issue yeah um from the from the new 52 same with uh, my wife and batman she's got every issue from the the onset of new 52 so yeah um they've so... never been read because i just back and board them as soon as i get them but <laughs> How about um are you are you a Blade Runner fan? Um honestly that movie is really hard to watch these days. It like visually it just doesn't hold up. I mean the story is still really good. Parts of it I think visually are super solid. Like uh the Blade I really like the feel of the Blade Runner world. Um and I like what the movie's done. So I'm excited for this piece of news which is that we've got a sequel coming out January 12th, 2018. Do me a favor next time you watch Blade Runner. Mhm. And it's, I think it's toward the middle of the movie when you see um, the uh, the backdrop of the uh, the skyscrapers, yeah, in the city. One of those buildings is actually a side profile of the Millennium Falcon, pointing nice. straight upward. Nice. Um, this movie is going to give us uh, um, Ryan Gosling is going to star in this adaptation or this this sequel essentially. Um, but we we're going to get Harrison Ford back as Deckard. So this we we get a lot of. Old Harrison Ford Wasn't characters. Wasn't he a replicant, though? Harrison Ford? Yeah. No, I don't think he was. Which ending? I, I guess that's a good point. I don't yeah. remember which ending I watched. I think I watched the director's cut ending, but I'm not sure. Um, there, I have mixed feelings about this. I mean, I like Blade Runner and, and everything, but the, the original movie, for what it was, was a masterpiece. And that's not just because of Harrison Ford, either. That's, um... Oh... What the fuck is his name? Dolph Lundgren? No. Oh, um, yeah. Rudger Hauer. Yeah, there you go. Um, Rudger Hauer is an amazing bad guy in yeah. any situation. And, I mean, you can take that from Blade Runner and you can apply it all the way forward through even the um, poorly received Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie where he was Lothos, the evil vampire. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> good times. Uh, still a good bad guy. Um so it's going to be difficult for me to 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 really fully embrace a new Blade Runner movie so far removed from the original. But I mean, I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. I'm excited. I think I think it could be good. Yeah. Uh so uh, next on the list Blade me Runner. And- yeah. <laughs> I wonder I bet I don't think that's probably gotten any better over the years. Uh, yeah. Yeah. uh I guess me and Matt have to go to the spa. Um apparently in Sisters, Oregon, which we are, you know, it's a little bit of a drive, but we could it's a it's a hour day and a half, trip. Dude. Yeah. It's an hour and a half. It's a day trip. We're good. Uh uh we're opening our first beer spa. Uh not, we're not we're not. <laughs> but uh we're going to see some dudes and sisters. Yeah. I don't even know what this is, but I, I'm 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 pretty curious. Like there's I, tubs. I just want to go because that there's just, the, like you can soak in beer. Is it oh, you soak in beer? Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, like there's there's big tubs, like and they're like big like I, they look almost kind of like they're tubs that are made out of uh, 
like wine casks, but you know, in tub shape and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, uh, so there's another page I'm an admin on, on Facebook, uh, called craft beer, or no beer. And they've published an article or two about it. Are you, do you follow that page? I don't think I do. I'll shoot you an invite. Yeah. Um, they, they've published some things and it actually shows like the tubs and whatnot. So yeah, you can, you can go to the spa and you can actually like, you know, just dip yourself in some beer and chill out. You just lap up a drink. I don't when you want know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like know. A, that sounds kind of gross, but also, you know, I don't know. I've done some other pretty gross shit. So whatever. Um, but anyway, we like beer and uh, I can not, I mean, I, I, I can't say that I wouldn't actually sit in a tub full of beer if I was given the opportunity. Yeah, so. plus, plus the other option. I mean, they, presumably they have to throw that all away after we're done anyway. So, like, what if, what if I just want to buy the beer and just drink it? Like, is it still like, it'll probably be like 100, 150 bucks, but it, that's a deal, I think. Do you want to drink beer that's tub beer? been in contact with your own ass? Well, I mean, no, before they throw it away, like, instead of even just sitting in it, can I just get a big straw? And just sit down and go to town. <laughs> I gotcha. Uh, um, uh, we're also going to be deciding which comic books we're going to be reading and discussing on the show. So, uh, yeah, because I'm not a complete loser. No, yeah, <laughs> I, am, I actually am a complete loser, which is why I'm completely caught up on my comic books right now. But, um, yeah, so we've we've actually tossed this idea around before about um, picking a couple books and actually just sticking with it. And, and talking about it when we sit down each week and whatnot. So I think this is a good, a, a good idea. And if we actually get it on record, then maybe there's something to hold us to it. Um, although it didn't really help with Eddie's Stargate reviews. Yeah. Um, well, okay, so here's the thing. Uh, if we pick a few books, that shouldn't be a problem. I mean, there's some time constraints to be considered. But I definitely am generally speaking caught up on batman i am generally speaking caught up on the walking dead which we don't talk about either one of those ever when we probably should yeah especially because because i'm caught up on them too the walking dead is good but batman's fucking nailing it right now see here's the thing and i'm actually so scott uh scott snyder's leaving the uh the batman book yeah and that's why i'm kind of glad like they're gonna do the rebirth now because I can't see somebody else picking up and writing that Batman book. No. And, and for all intents and purposes, the Batman that we're getting with Scott Snyder is not necessarily the essence of what we know as Batman in a lot of cases, especially not most recently. No, definitely um, not. But I kind of am looking forward to kind of to getting back to the meat and potatoes of what Batman really is. And not that's not to say that I, I need him to be like Oliver Queen a la Arrow. Yeah. Uh but I kind of want to start seeing him like fight petty criminals every once in a while and, and, and beat drug dealers up and shit like that until the big bad shows up at the end of the comic book or whatever. Yeah. Um, kind of a thing. So looking forward to that, although, um, and he doesn't listen to this, but Scott Snyder, if you do ever hear anything from the show, uh, know that both of us are super huge fans of what you're doing with Batman and what you've done with it. See, this is kind of how we had this discussion a little bit with the Nolan Batman versus what we think is going to be the uh, the um um who's the fucking guy that directs that thing now? Uh, Snyder, yeah, Zack Snyder, yeah. I was gonna, I, I wanted Snyder. to say Snyder, but I kept thinking oh, that can't be right. I'm just getting the name <laughs> confused because you just said Scott Snyder. Anyway, um, 
Snyder's Batman, I think, um, it's kind of like that. Like, I really, really like the Nolan universe. I really like the Nolan Batman. Um, but the, the, you know, the Batman I think we're going to get from Man of Steel is, you know, more quintessentially, you know, the Batman comic book character, which I'm looking forward to. And so I'd say it's kind of the same for me with Scott Snyder. Like, I really do enjoy this run. This run's been really good for me. Um, but I am kind of looking forward to getting back to the, you know, back to basics a little bit. Yeah. And the other thing I'm really going to miss, too, is um, Capullo's art. Oh, man. Capullo's fucking fantastic. That's I'm, actually one of the Batman reasons books. I started reading um, Rereading Spawn, um, which we haven't quite gotten to there. But I, I actually have start started rereading um, the original Spawn series because when it came out in the 90s, I probably only read the first 40 issues or so. Yeah. And then after that, I kind of lost track of it. Um, but we live in a digital age and I can buy anything now online. Yeah, so fun. Uh, so I've been, I've been rereading it and that, that was kind of one of my favorite moments is, is seeing the transition, uh, from Spawn go from McFarlane to Capullo. And, uh, it, it really kind of helped me develop an appreciation for, um, art and what they do and, and kind of how hard it is to step into somebody else's shoes and start doing something that yeah, for sure. was done before. Um, I don't really care about Bob Kane, even though he's probably the quintessential artist when it comes to Batman. Um, the thing is, is that Bob Kane didn't actually draw as much Batman as, as everybody thinks he did because he contracted other artists to do it exactly like him and then just signed his name to it in a lot of cases. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff um, going on with comics right now that that's pretty exciting uh and i and i'm hoping it's it's for the best i think we always hope it's for the best when there's a big shake up yeah definitely okay this last one on the list um i i want you to save because i'm gonna read this book and i want to talk about it with you next week okay okay so are we gonna decide on some books that we're gonna read yeah so what books do you, so Bat, <laughs> batman and the walking dead i think are a, a, a no-brainer that's right we can definitely do that what but we need, we need we need we need probably five or six books total because we're we do this mostly weekly and we're not getting yeah um we're not going to hit weekly books so I'll let you because I I don't read nearly as many books as you do um you know since actually those are probably the only two I'm current on right now so pick a couple and I'll do my best to get caught up and we can talk about them <laughs> oh god well what are you interested in like what have you read lately that you want to read more of um I do definitely want to get caught up on Saga. Like, I'm really okay. excited about that. Um, once Rebirth, especially once Rebirth gets here, I'm not sure, but I think I'm going to probably try, try to st- follow the Lantern book um, straight from... Looks like there's two. Yeah. There's there's Green Lantern's Rebirth, and then there's going to be Green Lantern's, and then there's also Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. Ooh, that's going to be tricky. Yeah. I'll read them both, but, I mean... Yeah, that's probably... can't speak for you. <laughs> okay, well... I, well I, read, I read, like... 25 comics a month mm. so no, i definitely don't read that many um in fact i, I what i kind of do is i kind of get uh forget about it and then i read them in spurts so like uh, um i'll read say 10 issues of bat like like this is how it's gone with batman because i had i had only recently it's only been the last month or two that i've been caught up on batman but what i do is read like 10 issues and then kind of get distracted and forget about it for two or three weeks. And then I'd read like 10 more issues and then get distracted. And then yeah. here we are reading, reading comics monthly is hard because 
when you put them off and then you read them in big in big chunks like you you actually like the story flows really well and then when you actually start getting caught up and you have to wait three or four weeks for the next one to oh, come yeah, out. I have like, to go back and flip through a few panels to see where I'm even at. Some of the writing these days is actually done really well to the point where, like, as soon as I read like the first couple panels, I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's what's happening." Yeah. And then I go. Others though, I do kind of have to hit the last few pages of the last episodes or the last comic sometimes. Yeah. So I, I guess the three books for me right now would definitely be Batman Saga and um, The Walking Dead. And then I'm I'm certainly going to read one of the Lantern titles um, with Rebirth. Yeah, I don't know what else. You give me some suggestions again. Reading co- the the nice thing about reading comics monthly is that it takes me maybe five to ten minutes at most to get through an issue. So it's not like it's a not a time thing. It's just the the only the only um, longer if it's a Scott Snyder book. Yeah, the only limiting factor here is me getting caught up. Yeah. Um, so we can definitely add books over time. Like well, you got to run that you think I, I really need to read like right now. We've got an image book, and then we've got a couple DC books and whatnot. Um, How about a Marvel book? Yeah, let's let's throw a Marvel book into the mix. Um, you want to do an X Men book, or do you want to do something different? Uh, no, X Men will work. Okay, so. Uh... X-Men, Uncanny X-Men is on issue three right now, so that's not too far into it. Okay. Um, or we could do the all-new Wolverine, which is uh, the X-23 yeah, focus. Yeah, I want to read that too. Okay. Uh, actually, let's do both of those. Both of them? Because if you said only on issue three, I can power through those. And uh, There's five issues right now of, of all-new Wolverine, but I, that's still not... Yeah, we can do that. Okay. Okay, so we've got Saga, we've got uh, Batman, we've got Walking Dead... X-Men, Uncanny X-Men, and then the new Wolverine. Right. All right, five books. Okay. Sounds good. All right, and the last issue we're going to save for next week is uh, Matt wants to talk about The Dark Knight Strikes again, specifically review the book that he's just finished, and I, I want to go read that book so we can talk about it. So <laughs> This is this is funny to me because this is I, – I remember, like, early on in the podcast, Eddie lecturing me on not having read this, the original The Dark Knight. Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. And now I'm done with The Dark Knight Strikes again, and Eddie hasn't even opened the cover of it yet. So, Oops. Um, I've also actually read the first two issues of The Dark Knight 3. Oh, yeah? Uh, the Master Race. Oh, yeah, that's the one I think you said you, you're actually liking a bit better. Yeah, I actually am. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's actually in publication now, so there's only been two issues of it so far, so I'm, I'm caught up when in the dark night stuff at this point cool um so you should make it a point to probably not only read the dark Knight strikes again but get caught up with those as well yeah and then we can we can we can include that in our our, our discussion right now fair enough or not right now but ongoing all right ladies and gentlemen that's the show for this week as always you can go and find us on twitter at whatever show like us on facebook facebook.com slash whatever show you can uh, go on iTunes and give us a rating. We would love it if you would just go rate us on iTunes or share us with a friend. Um, of course, just search whatever show in iTunes, and we actually come up in the search results now. Yeah, it's and actually, exciting. here's the thing, guys. Um, I've seen traction on several of our episodes when I look it up now, which means some of you are listening to it. So just thanks, by the way. Yeah, thank you. But it's not enough, fuckers. Go actually give us a rating <laughs> or something. <laughs> <laughs> give us a rating and share us with like uh you know your 35 closest comic book nerd friends yeah um, one of one of them will like it no doubt yeah and, and that's a solid rating if i could get like one out of every 35 yeah okay fine 
Um, and then finally, if you have any suggestions, comments, you want us to read a different book and talk about it, uh, send that feedback questions at whatever.co. Thanks. Uh, we'll see you next week. All right. Later.